Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Pitch Deck and I'm Adetayo. Um, this is re- it's really good to be here and um, you know, obviously Pitch Deck is a podcast brought to you by Tad Partners, a marketing and communications company where we like to tell stories and create the right narratives around marketing communication in, in sub-Saharan Africa, um, specifically Nigeria. But I'm not alone today, I have a great guest with me <laughs> this time. A, a long-term friend and one of the gurus in the industry, in the marketing communications industry. Um, Buyo, how are you now? Hey, Aditaya, how are you doing? Good afternoon. It's a yeah, pro- no. First of all, I, I want to say that I really, really like the name Pitch Deck. Like, it's really, really straight to the point and, you know, captures the imagination, basically. Mm-hmm, <laughs> well, mm-hmm. You know, on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you so much, Buyo. Yeah, yeah, some, like, I think it was last last week i think so i mean someone that i mean that i work with was telling me that why are we using pitch deck so he was probably thinking about it from the perspective of um you know when you're, you're trying to pitch your business to raise funding and all of that that's, that's how i was seeing it so i had to break it down to him that you i mean if you work in the agency as well and you're trying to you're trying to yeah. you know get new business as well you also have to pitch you know and so he was like oh you know yeah <laughs> but how it's, you doing, uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I think it's uh, what's the word now? What's the word? The fact that pitch deck is like a sales document. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, used to is a is a very quick a bridge that you use to convey an idea from one particular party to the other. So if you look at it metaf- metaphorically, right, this podcast is also meant to like basically lead to the exchange of ideas between industry leaders, professionals. And you know the market, so you're basically telling, talking about stories of brands, of businesses, of products, of services from the podcast. You know, taking it to the general public. So it's just right in the middle. So literally, pitch deck works. You know, algorithm. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, I think you you actually sold the podcast better than I ever w- would have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, that was that was my first thought when I when I when I saw the name. Actually, I'm like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's really fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, for some of the some of our listeners that probably, if if they have not gotten a an idea of the type of person that you are, um, you know, uh, you want to do like a quick intro, uh, maybe something that I not touched on. Right. So, uh, I think the way I see myself, basically, uh, I like to say that I. I help to tell the stories of brands. So I, I basically shake tables for brands in the marketplace, you know, mm-hmm. and how do I do that? I, I, I use storytelling, you know, strategic marketing, corporate communications, reputation management, crisis management, and every other, every other tool within the, the marketing frameworks to help basically help, you know, businesses connect with their audiences, you know, and stakeholders in the marketplace. So that's what I do. Of course, it's, 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 it's a lot... I mean, if you want to like start breaking it down, uh, what I do on a daily basis is more, what's the word now? It, it's more extensive than that. But like an, an overview or sh- some summarization of that would basically be checking tables mm-hmm. for brands in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. in, in summary, remember is a table shaker for brands in the you marketplace. Know, <laughs> so, basically, right. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I work with multiple brands across the the seven pieces of marketing so from price to product to promotion you know to people places and all that um i think 
I've had various cycles in my career. There are times when the times when I've just been focused on executing ideas alone, uh, which is basically promotion. And then, but over the last few years, I've also, you know, taken a more hands-on role towards helping develop products from the conceptualization level. Because, you know, contrary to expectation, marketing is just not just when you uh, are promoting a brand through any of the various channels, maybe out of home uh, advertisement or digital marketing, you know, uh, or traditional marketing. Now, marketing starts right from the point of, you know, creation of a product. So it comes from getting insight about the market, you know, what is happening right now, what is going to happen in the next in the next six months or one year in this market, and how can we proactively prepare for it as prepare for it as a business? You know, I was reading an article, I think an Harvard Business uh, Review, like last week, and I was talking about the fact that innovation, like we always talk about innovation as this major event, right? Uh, that mm-hmm. happens. So, for example, when you look at the, when you look at this point of uh, when when we move from from having horses you know, to automobile, right? When the Ford company mm-hmm. invented on an automobile in the beginning of the 20th century, that's a major, you know, leap in innovation, right? But more often than not, one innovation that we kind of like overlook would be incremental innovation, right? And that sometimes the nuances of, of, of that incremental innovation, you know, is not noticeable, right? It mm-hmm. happens gradually. And, and sometimes you need to really put your eye on the curve. So that so what happens when markets shift under you like as a as a market leader, you know, when people's choices changes, right? And you don't know about it it's because it's incremental innovation. So one day you just have all the cheese, you know, you have all the market share, then next year nobody nobody, you know, is interacting with your brand anymore. Yeah. Right? Or so your product is obsolete. It's obsolete, right? So I, I remember was you know Blackberry or Kodak, one of the executives said, we did everything right. You know, during the press conference to announce, I think the dissolution of the company and said, we did everything right and somehow we still lost. They didn't do everything right because incremental innovation had been happening in the industry for years and they just did not notice. They felt the product they had right now, that cash cow, you know, was still going to be like that for, 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 the, for the time being. And uh, so as experienced marketers, it's important for you to have your eyes and your ears on the ground to understand what people, the changes are happening in your environment, right? And mm-hmm. and basically put your brand or your business at the at the forefront of the innovation curve. Now, you have to be experienced to 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 know how to unearth these insights, right? Because it's not all it's not all what's it called now. It's not all uh, market insights that you would get from the consumer sometimes in fact insights from consumers might be misleading right because if they've asked people in the in the in the early 20th century that oh you know we want to improve transportation they would have asked for faster horses right uh-huh. <laughs> Not so imagine somebody going to go and invest a million dollars to ensuring that it crossbreeds maybe the fastest horses of, of those particular time to ensure that they can run faster, they have better endurance, not knowing that the market is going to change to become, you know, automobile, right? So it's good to listen to the market, understand what is going on, identify the gaps, but you also want to use your intuition as well, you know, 
to, 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 to look at like what would be best for the consumers. When Steve Jobs launched the iPhone, there was no phone that had, you know, that didn't have a keypad, you know. And Steve Jobs mm-hmm. literally launched one. There, there was no keypad because he was just looking for how can I make this Android times better, right? If Steve Jobs did not launch uh, the iPhone, I think we will say I have quite a keypad now, but I've not seen a phone with quite a keypad in, in a while. In seven, eight years. Yeah, you know, <laughs> except except all those Palasa phones and uh, you know, all those touch life phones. Yeah, yeah. even even the low end phones, right? Which is like maybe less than a hundred dollars, maybe like twenty k, thirty k, twenty five k. They don't have quite a part as well, mm-hmm. right? The industry has, has changed dramatically over the past ten years. So, I think what I'm saying in essence is that as marketing leaders, you know, like I said, I shift tables for for for. for brands in the market but as marketing leaders you your job is not just to you know promote the products during the promotions phase alone try to be involved in all areas especially as you go further in your career you want to be involved with you know the creation of the products in itself because you are able to shape you know the way people will interact with a product going forward now mm-hmm. if a product is mentally flawed and you get to the market and you promote it, you, you launch the best digital marketing campaign, your promotion can be extremely good. People would interact with it, but there would not, there would not be any repeat purchases. So have you ever had an example where, where somebody told you, oh, this restaurant is really amazing, or this vendor is really good, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to try this person out. And then you go there, right? And their experience is terrible. You know you're never gonna go there any, any longer, right? Yeah, for sure, for let me, sure. For example, I'm going to use a traditional business now. Let's say my friend tells me, "Oh, you know, there's this restaurant on the island. They sell this very, very wonderful Edikai Kong or this offensive soup. If you go there, it's amazing. You would love it." And then I go there, but the other processes around their service is really bad. So maybe the way they customer service actually. <laughs> But even the layout of the store, right? Even the layout of this of the of, of the restaurant, probably when you enter, because they're in demand, right? And maybe you have twenty people on the on the on the queue at every given point in time, right? But then when you enter the store, the way they did it is because in such a way that the the, the queue was maybe blocking the entrance in a way, right? Rather than it being on the far end of the, of the restaurants at the beginning, so that means. Before you even enter, you have to be, you know, your body would definitely be touching some bodies, like mm-hmm. you're screaming up, you're already feeling irritated, you know, and it just brings you into this universe of, of chaos that you, and, you, and you feel like, oh, this is good, the food is good, but is it good enough for me to be going through this every time I come here? Yeah, right? yeah. So I remember earlier earlier in my, in my, in my marketing, I'll just use this restaurant example before we go to the next, next point, right? There was a restaurant that opened directly opposite my office. And I went there one time to, to, to you know, to, to buy food. And then while I was waiting, they said, oh, would you like a cup of tea? You know, it was going to take another 10 minutes for you to be ready. I'm like, oh, this is, that's really nice. You guys are like, you know, spoiling me. No problem, bring it. Bring it. And they brought me the, the, the cup of tea and I had it. It was really nice. But then I realized that when I sat down in their chair, the table was too tall, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, six, I'm six foot one, right? But the, the table was tall was taller than, than than usual and then when i sit down i have to like basically it was just awkward right mm-hmm. i didn't feel 
I needed to bring myself closer to the table. And I was like, even though I was tall, I felt like I was sinking in the chair. <laughs> you know, that was final, right? But for someone that is as tall as me to still have that kind of experience. So no matter how good their food was, I wouldn't really enjoy it unless maybe I order out, right? That meant that during the, the creation of the product, the product was not just the restaurant alone, not the chef alone. Even nuances like, you know, how are people going to sit? How are we going to like, you know, collect payments are part of the product. So if I was marketing, you know, maybe like a Domino's now, right? For example, or a food chain that has multiple branches. I want to also ensure that I have input in those minor nuances that affect the consumer experience. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's that about, you know, uh, product basically. And I just wanted to, to give that point because, you know, oftentimes, we, we forget about the fact that creating a product, you know, you need marketing to be very, very involved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, yeah, Muir, I think you, <laughs> that, that was really one of, one of the core conversations that we wanted to have. And I like the fact that you actually broke it and put examples as to why, you know, there has to be a lot of thought process. Even mm-hmm. about about products and you know creating the whole experience, the customer experience of a company. Mm-hmm. But before, let's just take it back a little bit, right? Right. Um, so you know, what what would you say were your formative years? You know, that led you into the career that you are in. I mean, the career that you are currently doing in marketing and communication. Mm, okay, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an accidental marketer, right? But I think I've always played for marketing, you know, for years. So I remember when I was in when I was in uni, I I was always involved in projects, right? So I was I was a member of of one body, Anonsa, all Nigerian United Nations Student and Youth Association. So we basically try to like do projects to to, to promote the SDGs or is it MDGs as the case may be. Yeah. SDGs. Whatever. So, <laughs> right. So I was involved in of stuff. So either we're having a conference to bring the Minister of Agriculture, I was, you know, trying to always sell that conference, or maybe some people are doing some training and I'm helping them to, like, draft the copy. I didn't know that was marketing, though. Draft the copy, do the flyers, you know, talk to people about it. All those times, I, I didn't really know what it meant, right? Uh, but then when I was about leaving school, that was when digital marketing was blowing up. And I was, I was I've always been interested in technology, right? So mm-hmm. my three major... Uh, technology, marketing, and national development. So everything I do, you know, is around those three pillars. But when I was leaving uni, I, I realized digital marketing was just, you know, coming up in Nigeria. And I was reading up on, on tech companies like Diode, Konga, formerly Kazuwa, mm-hmm. yeah, and the likes of that. So I remember the first interview I had after school, the person asked me about it, and I told him about digital marketing and how I feel. It's the future, you know. So I got, it, I got a job at a tech startup. At that particular point in time, Insidefy.com. It's now known as Simless HR. It's one of the top HR platforms in, in, in the country. And I I was able to have a first hand experience into marketing and in itself, you know, because I was involved in basically content marketing, SEO, creating content for the brand, interacting with customers, basically just trying to create a framework and, and a structure for the startup. But I think it was more of an experimental, you know, period for myself. Then afterwards, I, I joined a PR agency, and that's where I really came into my own as a marketer. So while I was there, I worked on a number of, I worked on go-to-market strategy and PR campaigns for a number of brands. So from Facebook to Uber, a number of brands in Nigeria, so Heineken, 
Unilever, Lipton, mm-hmm. Omo, close up a number of them, British Council, Access Bank, Union Bank, you know. So so I was now able to like test my my knowledge on a number of brands with different dynamic needs, right? And um, that was when I came to the I came to the realization of how different brands need different things per time. So an Anakin is trying to like connect more with consumers and launch a credential campaign, for example, a campaign I worked on when we unveiled Jidena as an ambassador, mm-hmm. would be different needs of a legacy brand like Union Bank that was trying to celebrate its 100-year anniversary in Nigeria and trying to connect with younger younger consumers. You know, The kind of activities we, we, we did was different from a brand like Close Up, I was trying to launch a new SKU. And that would be totally different from a brand, like a technology brand like Uber, that was trying to break into, you know, that was trying to solidify its position in the early days in Nigeria, you know, and was and was getting a lot of resistance from uh, traditional stakeholders. So, you know, Cable Association and the likes of that. So the kind of communication activities we did was different from FMCG brands, you know, and the kind of activities we uh, I, I was privileged to work on for brands like Facebook, now Meta, you know, would be different mm-hmm. because the need of that, at that time was to be seen as a partner with the creator uh, community, with the technology community, and with government stakeholders. You know, compared to other multinationals, mm-hmm. tech nationals like IBM, Microsoft, Oracle, and the likes. Meta yeah, but, did... Okay, sorry yeah. to cut it there. I wanted to find out those. Like, you know, so what would you say then is is the major difference between like a uh, would I say a traditional? Uh, I know every every brand is unique in yeah. its own way, but what would yeah. you say is the difference between, let's say, for example, a consumer good company, the marketing for a consumer good company, and um, let's say for an uh, a boat or Uber, for example. Right. You so, know. so right. You know, during the product life cycle, right? There are different. You that that. You, you need different things at different point in time. Mm-hmm. So let me use a traditional brand like a Unilever has been part of our life since we were one year old, two years old. <laughs> right. You have used their product, you have used Close Up, you have used Omo, you have used Lipsyn, Blue Band, you know, like you can remember all their ads from when you were five. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, so what could be their own need would be, oh, they're trying to refresh their brand, Right. They already have a lot of brand equity. They already have a lot of brand affinity. People love them already. But maybe they feel from you know the, the dialogue I had about inside earlier, oh, we are not reaching younger consumers because they feel like the the current crop of product we have right now is not colorful enough. And Gen Zs want you know they want some spice. They don't just want the old boring design. So maybe we mm-hmm. want to launch type of a new type of soap. Right, so they could be launching a product in response to that insight from the market, right? So they will be different, and you know they have a lot. Of, they have tens of thousands of distributors all across the country. So their their own the marketing that will be needed for that type of brand would be different from a technology company that is at a different level of its product life cycle. So let me use the example of that Uber. Right, when Uber launched in Nigeria, there was a lot of uh, what was the word? There was a lot of uh, you know. Antagonism, or what's the word now? There was a lot of uh, who am I? What am I forgetting this? Um, there was a lot. Help me out, please. 
Um, I would say I would say something like um, doubts or question marks. Yeah, not just question mark. There was a lot of uh, opposition, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right. opposition. All right, from, cool. From traditional cab companies who felt they were coming to take their job, and do you even know the reason why Uber doesn't call itself a cab service all over the world? You know, no. there was all the right alien service. Yeah, they literally coined that word so that they would not be boxed into the transportation industry. So they mm. called themselves alien service as at that time, right? And that's because they don't want to be seen as a traditional cab company, a company in the transportation sector. You know, they, Uber as a company had a, 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 a long battle with New York City for a long time over that, right? Now, when they launched in Nigeria, there was that uh, opposition from the traditional company. So for us, as, as PR experts, one of the things we were trying to do was to ensure that they had conversations with this, uh, with this association and with key stakeholders like the media so that they can tell their stories. Now, when it comes to storytelling, vacuum, vacuum must not be present in your brand strategy. Like if there's something, if you're not telling your story, somebody's going to tell it for you, right? If you're not actively involved in shaping the perception that you want people to have about you, they are still going to form a perception anyway. So it's really important for you to direct the flow of what you want people to feel with your brand, the, the, the terms you want them to associate with your brand, right? So one of the things we did was we had a media party. I can remember, I think some, sometime in 2016, uh, we had a media party where we had key media personnel come around. And the management team for Uber for Nigeria was able to talk about their vision and how they were basically here to complement the existing infrastructure or transportation infrastructure that exists in Lagos. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the need of the brand at that particular point in time. That was what was being done. So the engagements with the, the government and the media and this association is made of, oh, you know, we're just complimenting. We're not here to be your... We're not here to be your competitor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in quotes. And from a strategic point of view, when you are able to scale, execute that kind of communication activity or that kind of activity, and in six months' time, in one year time, 100,000, 200,000 people are using you on a monthly basis, you are more, you are more ingrained into the infrastructure of that particular city it is harder for government to ban you and say we don't want you anymore you understand right mm-hmm. so people now love the brand they have used the brand a couple of times it makes their life easier you know pre-boat pre-boat and uber if you are flying into lagos by 11 p.m you have to have your cab guy number on standby mm-hmm. by 11... and if for one reason or the other the guy's phone is off or your phone is off then you're stranded Right, yeah. to, but but with Uber, you could literally Uber and boat. You could literally, you know, schedule a ride and all that. So it, it came. Technology came with its own ease and convenience. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that technology companies, they have different. They are, depending on which one you're working on, they are different levels at different times. If I'm, you know, I've been working on the fintech companies for for a couple of years now. Fintech companies, when you're starting the marketing for a fintech company, and it has to do with maybe payments or savings or, or credit, you need to trust is the most important currency in that in, in that in that segment because mm-hmm. it's it is it has to do with money. I can literally if Unilever does an ad now, right, for close up and I go and buy it and I don't like it, right? I might not I might decide not to buy from them again. But when it comes to fintech companies, the the barrier to trust is higher 
right? Because it's, it's, we're dealing with money. I cannot go and test you guys with 5,000 and then maybe you close down. Mm. Or maybe <laughs> money, and then I have to start, you know, going through your customer service to get my money back. You know, because it's money, it's, uh, it's more sensitive. So if I was working in a, te- in, in a tech company, you know, a fintech company like I am, you know, I'll be focused on what are the things I can do to ensure that people trust me as a brand, right? Yeah, yeah. So trust is harder to come by in in fintech, in fintech than it Absolutely. is in in, in consumer oh, as well. Absolutely. And, and 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 I'll probably say that maybe because uh, fintech is something that's still relatively new in the market. I'm, I'm not sure it's up to, it has up to twenty years in this market, or even even ten or fifteen, right? But while consumer goods have been operating for for decades, maybe even yeah. since, since since the since the since, since independence, and so it's 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 much easier for people to understand and trust these brands more than Absolutely. more than. I mean, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, before this yeah, probably 30, 40 in ads over the years. I, I I feel those kind of brands have going for them when it comes to their marketing is that they are legacy brands. So they have been part of your life from when you were five years old to when you're 10 to 15. So at, at various, you know, milestones in your life, they have been there, mm-hmm. right? So selling is easier. But technology, consumer technology, at the scale we're looking at, just really started in Nigeria about 10 years ago. There was no Instagram in 20, 2010. I mean, it existed, but it existed already in other climates. But in Nigeria, Instagram didn't really start blowing up until like 2012, 2013. You know, 20, yeah. Twitter maybe 2009. Yeah. So Twitter level of maturity until like 2011. WhatsApp started getting maturity around 2012, 2013, right? So when you look at those tech products, it's like maybe 10 years compared mm-hmm. to products that you've been using for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, right? So they have different... It's still even early days, anyways, when it comes to technology in Nigeria. It's still early yeah, days. Yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, we are, you know, the thing is, anybody that has listened to this show for like the past maybe 20 minutes now can already see that you you sleep, drink, and um, eat marketing communications, right? So, well, what would you my, say? I don't, when you I don't joke. I don't eat marketing communications. I, I don't joke with my jollof and plant. <laughs> <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> yeah. People think that other marketing and communications for me, you know, no, please, it's jollof and... And, and, yeah, and, I if, think... you like, and if you don't like uh, plantain, yeah, then we need to charge it to court. Funny <laughs> <laughs> enough, I'm, I'm not a very big fan of fried plantain, but I uh, don't, don't, don't eat my neck for it, please. <laughs> right, it's right. For, for the purpose of this conversation, it's yeah. All right. yeah. So I want to find out, right? And still sticking on on you and your journey, you know, mm-hmm. what would you say was that turning point event or action or experience, right, that led you to where you are right now? You know, in your in your career. Well, okay. Let me let me give give an example. I, th- I remember, and this talks about the. This is I think this is just a general. It might not be a marketing principle, but a general life principle. It speaks to proactiveness, right? And mm-hmm. why it's important for us as individuals to take the bull by the I remember there was a time when a Nigerian company was trending on Twitter, which was by Nigeria to go to the Naira. So I, 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 I was monitoring the conversation. And I, as a marketer, it's important to, for you to be in touch with, with the culture because that's why you really understand, you know, how the people think, how people think in your market, 
are the people that you want to try and reach with your marketing campaigns how they see life, right? Mm-hmm. One of my favorites too, maybe not favorite, but one of the things I do is when I look at post viral posts in Nigeria, probably on some of the blogs and online platforms you have on Instagram, I try to read the comment section. And I see the comments that has maybe like 500 likes, 1,000 likes, because it tells you how people think. Like a lot of people have the same viewpoint in Nigeria, and it gives you insight into the way people think, right? So yeah. back to proactiveness, I think. So the, the, the brand was trending. It's, it's a leading, I mean, you would know the brand, Innocent. It was mm-hmm. trending on Twitter. Was saying, you oh, know, I really love this brand. My uncle has been using it for years. It doesn't have any issues, but I don't think they're doing well with their marketing. Somebody else also said, you know, my uncle is a vice president. This is official car. has not broken down once and all that. And I felt when I looked through the, the comments, social listening, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that is that people love the brand, but the brand is not driving its narrative enough. So I, I, I created a document that spoke to, you know, how they can literally create, you know, the right narratives for their brand and the right, you know, marketing and communication tactics to use to take their brand to the next level. And I sent it to to the to the to the CEO of the PR firm, which you know, anyway. And and I really loved, you know, that document, right? And and we had lunch and we discussed about potentially joining that team. And and when I joined that team, it took me to the next level in, in my career because of the kind of brands that I could work on, right? So for me, I think it was the proactiveness. Of that particular moment that was mm. a turning point but the, the the more the more important insight from that is i was i was doing what is called social listening and you can't be a good marketer without listening you know without putting your ears on the on the on ground the ground happening pop culture entertainment and politics and movies in 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 in, in the finance sector understanding macroeconomics you know as you go further in your career and because of marketing lead and and, and you you improve your commercial, you know, nature as a marketer. You need to be in touch with all this because that's where you you are able to like look for me and 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 do your deduction and your addition. Say, oh, two plus two is equal to four, right? So social distancing is extremely critical. You know, when you do when you see a post, maybe for example about a competitor and people are complaining about a specific uh, pain point or a gap, that tells you. Or that gives you an insight as to some of the things you can use to incremental innovations, like I mentioned, that you can use on your own product. Mm-hmm. Let me text mm-hmm. or move. And he's and he still buttresses the point whereby, as a marketer, try to be involved from from cradle to grave, like so, be involved in the conceptualization to execution to implementation, not just the implementation point alone, right? There was a, I think there was an airport in Europe that people basically spent like 20 minutes, minimum of 20 minutes, right, to get their bags from the conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And then when they did a survey from the customers, basically the, the uh, frequent flyers, people were unhappy with the airport, right? People were complaining, grumbling. Their NPS uh, was really, really low, right? It was, it was very Net promoter score. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's, it's, it's used to, to measure co- uh, customer experience and to predict business growth. You use it to oh, see right. how people are with your products, right? Uh, they realized that people didn't really like that experience. People didn't, you know, people were spending average of 20 minutes to get their bags. Now, what would have been the, the way to solve that problem? Oh, 
you want to like solve, you want to like change it and, and you want to like build another conveyor belt, maybe that's 20 minutes or whatever. But what the airport did was simple. They moved the conveyor belt from where it was, right? And they moved it about 15 minutes further down the airport. Mm. So what that meant was because previously when people come down from the airplane, the conveyor belt was just by the by the exit. Mm-hmm. So they they did some work around in the architectural architectural structure of the of the building to ensure that they might have to like maybe take like two lifts and one conveyor belt, you know, before to, before the uh before they get to where their luggages are. Mm-hmm. And that been average of like 10, 12, 13 minutes, right? Yeah. Now, that cuts the time they, 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 they wait for their bags from 20 minutes to maybe an average of five minutes. Yeah. The minds of the consumers are like, oh, it's just five minutes that we're using to get our bags now. Hmm. Whereas they didn't do anything. They just moved the location of where you get your bags from one particular point to another. And the other was the code is that it also helps these people to meet their, was what their, their steps per day. So if they're supposed to have 2,000 steps or 3,000 steps, you know, a lot of the people at airports, you know, according to statistics in the airport, you know, they are also gym members. So they're putting in the steps. So marketing, the, the, the marketing manager was able to bring that insight to say, you know what, we can move this from this point to another point, help these people to exercise a little bit more and reduce the time. So instead of them waiting 20 minutes and talking and complaining, oh, this is not good. This airport is shit, and that and they're talking about it. On- <laughs> they would just spend ten minutes, you know, commuting to where they're supposed to get their bags. When they get there in three minutes, four minutes, their bags are out and they are gone. Everybody's happy, right? So those are the minor things. So marketing is not just in, it's not just in the big billboard, in the big digital marketing campaign that I want to launch in this influencer marketing campaign. I want to sign, you know, the artist musician or or the leading TikTok influencer to promote my brand. It is also in those little details, you know, that I mentioned. It also it also involves the little details like how do we communicate changes to our product to our individuals? How do we tell them about major milestones that we've reached? How do we make them a part of our journey? One of the one of the aspects I love the most about tech marketing in the last few years would be building in public, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that with you know a tech startup mostly. One of my one of my friends and. An industry leader is Victor Fatomi, who just launched this amazing, you know, community for creatives, Full Gap. Yeah, mm-hmm. shout out to Fatomi. Guys are doing amazing work, you know. So Victor is one of the most brilliant, you know, creative and brand professionals we have in the country. And he and his partners, you know, founded what was called uh, Fort Canvas. Now, when they were building Full Gap, Victor has been doing an exceptional job of building it in the public. So from when they were creating the logo, it will come on Twitter, on his Twitter account and say, you know what, guys, which one do you find interesting, right? So people feel they're part of your journey. That was a story of, oh, you know, five years ago, me and my guys were seated in a sitting room and we're talking about the future of creatives in Africa. And mm-hmm. we always wanted like this. Then he puts a picture. That's why we're creating the full gap. Then tomorrow he might come and say, you know, you know, when I wrote this, uh, how to sell 10X two years ago, it was a precursor to this. So he was building in public and his community could literally feel themselves as part of his journey. You know, that I think they did something brilliant last week where they created like this creative way as your name. And then it talks about the fact that you're an institution. So Muniwa, you're an institution at the time. Mm. And check it out, right? Full gap 
foodgap.co, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So yeah. you like you're part of their journey. One of the most brilliant campaigns of the last eight years that I really love was Coca-Cola share Coke with. Coca-Cola did that same thing as well. They yeah. made part of their journey. Mm-hmm. I've never seen, there are really few campaigns that have driven sales like that campaign. I think it was in 2016 or 2015. That was a great campaign. Coca-Cola, right? For those um, that, I mean, I I don't even think anybody would know about that campaign. But for those who might have missed it, Coca-Cola deployed campaigns where you would just add people's name on bottles. Something as simple simple as people's name. Share Coke with Muewa, Aditya, Suzanne, you know, Vivian, Agbani Darego, with (laughs) Ola Wale, with, you know, uh, Shola, with Tola, with Esther, with Tosin. And that was it. People went to, I remember people would go to ShopRite and buy one pack of Coca-Cola because they are looking for but their name. names, you know? And if you give somebody in your house, your family, your neighbor, your work colleague that, it just made them feel special, right? Because mm-hmm. the name is important to people. That's why one of the, one of the uh, best practices when it comes to email marketing is that you know you want to call people by their name so hello at the tire you don't want to just yeah right you know so it's a principle basically you know when we talk when we look at it it's just a principle public you know personalization and the likes yeah yeah so my my question was to to the um what's it called to that coca-cola um share a coke campaign did that, did that lead to sales, though? Do you know if, if, it, if it led to, like, a spike in sales? Definitely, it will. Now, here's the thing about it, right? When it comes to marketing, right, there, there, of course, there are different types of campaigns. So there are times when you do awareness campaigns and there are times when you do performance marketing. So, for example, let's say I have a budget of 10 million naira, and then I'm trying to do an awareness campaign with 4 million and I'm trying to use 6 million to run ads. Now, the 6 million, and this is a, a general point of friction between marketing teams and finance teams all over the country all, all over the world right because your cfo your your ceo they want the numbers to increase right now right mm-hmm. so let's say i have a 10 million budget and i use 6 million to do ads on facebook on twitter on 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 instagram to promote let's say coke right to promote coke so that means if i'm spending 6 million i'm expecting maybe like 60 million in sales whatever amount I'm just using mm-hmm. vertical numbers now. Now, but also it's important for you to have that 4 million or 3 million to also build awareness or to build affinity for the brand in the future because brand building is important and that takes time. So sometimes that would not lead to sales immediately, but some people that are not converting right now are already have the seed of your brand you know, deposited right in their minds. So it's important for you to find that balance between you don't just go and do performance marketing without ensuring that brand building is also there as well. Sorry, mm-hmm. I wanted to just ask that question again. I was I kind of like missed my line of thought, but there's something I wanted to mention. So you are saying specifically, can you just mention it again? That's the, the Coke question, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to say that did it lead, was, yeah, did it lead to sales? Just you know, because right. I, it was such a great campaign, right? And I just, I just want to, I, I don't know if there is there is there That's, any type of report from, from so, Coke. So it did. So let me. I can't. I can't. I don't know the report right now, you know. But um, one of the things I can say uh, was that for someone like myself, right, 
who was not buying coke regularly. Do you understand? Yeah. Maybe I buy a coke at that time. Maybe I buy a coke once a month or once in two months, and I know, I know because I was also looking for my name. Um, I know that at, at least my consumption of sales of of coke increased like times four during that period. So that meant that maybe I bought one per week. So if maybe the my customer lifetime value per month to Coke was 100 Naira, I spent 400 Naira in that particular month. Mm-hmm. That's times four. That's that's crazy. That's mm-hmm. 400% increase, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah. So now, at that times, I think according to statistics, right, 1.5 million things tried a Coke during yeah. that summer. I'm reading it. <laughs> you know, by, by 11%. Yeah. Right, crazy if you look at it. So that means if ten million people buy your product, you're having an additional one million people who will not buy your product at all. You know, try it out. So I'm it's seeing, really, really... I'm saying more about that. That summer, Coke sold more than two hundred and fifty million named bottles and cans in exactly. a nation or just on, of of just under twenty three million people. Wow, exactly. You know that meant. 23 million people. So that means the average 23 million times 10 is 230 million. So that meant the average person bought 10. And why did they buy 10? Because they were buying packs. You know, because the more you buy packs, the more the like likelihood of you getting the name of somebody you know or somebody in your in your family, right? So someone for myself who maybe buys one in a month, I'm now buying seven or ten. Look at it now, times ten. You know, so it's a brilliant, brilliant campaign. Yeah, and, nice. and that's just that's the impact that marketing has. You know, I was reading a post on Twitter earlier today about growth marketing and all that. Growth marketing, literally, you know, by practitioners, there's a lot of conversation about, you know, growth marketing is a fad, is a new aspect of marketing. But actually, every marketing should lead to growth at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the end goal of every marketing is, is, is growth. Like, that is sales. But... Different campaigns do different things per time. If I do a performance marketing campaign, I need results right now. If I do a reputation management campaign, I'm, I'm, I'm positioning your, your brand in the minds of people in a certain way so that they love you better in a way. Let me give an example. When you look at all the banks in Nigeria, there's GT Bank Eat and Drink Festival happening this week, or, yeah, right? Happening, yeah. GT Bank, like other banks, they have been having service failures. Right over the past couple of months, because of the increased, you know, um, what's the word now, pressure on their infrastructure. Yeah. But compared to other legacy banks, you know, the the like Mimizanet, for example, or older banks, they don't get as much eat on social media like those banks. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a reason for that, because some years ago, GT Bank did not just spend all their budget on performance marketing. That is trying to get people to buy immediately now, they built some strategic, creative, what's the word now, assets. Yeah. Like Eat Drink Festival. What does the bank have to do with creating an Eat Drink Festival? Well, fashion to... Week as well. And Fashion Week. But so for an average Gen Z or a younger millennial, they feel more connected to that brand because they leverage on pop culture to connect to them. So they mm-hmm. feel like, oh, this brand is closer to what I would interact with. You know, oh, this brand is ours than one of those older ba- ba- uh, banks like First Bank and Zenith. 
who has, have, have not done similar stuff over the years. So when people are abusing those banks on social media, if you do an analysis, if you do uh, media monitoring and you monitor the sentiment, if you do a sentiment analysis of those banks, so if there are maybe two courses per minute for a bank like GT Bank, you have times 10 of that for the other banks, mm-hmm. right? So why is one bank not getting a lot of negative sentiments, even if, even though they are having service failure? It's because their reputation management over the, over the years, they have invested in strategic marketing to ensure that their brand is seen in a certain line. And mm-hmm. every brand, you know, does this in different ways, right? There's a way, yeah. there's a reason why two people from the same family, you know, under the same circumstances are seen in different light. Maybe mm-hmm. one is seen as, one is seen as, as cantacarous. The one that is gentle might even be more cantacarous, but the reputation that he has, the way he has been positioned mm-hmm. to the public, you know, determines the way people see it. So that's yeah. basically how it is as well, right? So basically, the kind of campaign you want to do will determine the kind of results you get. But at every point in time, you need to uh, understand your market so you can get all the insights to use to get ca- to create campaigns that will connect to consumers. You want to identify the pain points at every given point in time. You also want to identify incremental innovations that you can do, you know, to give yourself a better better chance of long term success. And you also want to constantly be be, be measuring, constantly uh, evaluating your results as well. Because whatever you don't measure, you will not. Uh, whatever you don't measure, you will not go. Yeah, I mean, we are, I mean, <laughs> this has been a very loaded and interesting conversation. So let, let's let's go to fintech, right? Basically, mm-hmm. and you know, and what has been happening over the. Um, what do you find exciting about marketing um, for a fintech company? Maybe like the one you work with currently. Right. So uh, I will not talk generally about about fintechs. So, you know, I was at an event by by one of the by one leading you know uh, tech startup during the week uh, mm-hmm. called Anchor. They the create banking as a service. We try to provide APIs for fintechs who are trying to build and all that. And I was having a conversation with one investor, and he was saying, "Oh, Mui, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Fine." And he said. Do you think there are not so many there are not too many fintechs? And I said I beg to disagree, sir. You know, and I said in 1998, PayPal started in, in the United States of America, right? But in 2010, 2010 there about the payments company called Stripe started. Now mm-hmm. Stripe is maybe the most you know uh, valuable tech startup. Yeah, maybe payment. Yeah, payments. I, I think yeah, right. it could even be tech actually. Yeah, I think even in tech generally, you know, apart from like the Apple and 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 the likes, I think they are the number one, or they are, but definitely they are they are the market leader when it comes to payments and the likes of that. Mm-hmm. Now, five other companies start start even after Paystripe have gotten to the peak of of the industry. So you have Cash App, you have Revolut, you have Monzo. So there will always be the need for new entrants in every industry. And what happens when you have a deluge of entrance to the market is that the customers will be the ones who always win because everybody is trying to innovate and provide the best service you know to consumers right um so what i love about marketing fintechs is that we are all solving different problems across payments credit saving investment and the likes of that right and it, it helps you activate an aspect of your brain when it comes to the create creative marketing you know i spoke earlier about why it is important for you to basically 
uh, what's the word now, to focus on building trust with communities and with people, general public, right? Because mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, the barriers to entry is higher when it comes to trust. So if people don't trust your brand, they would not bank with you or they would not be, they would not use your product. And, and if they try your products and you mess with their money, if I buy, you know, a product from an FMCG, it's just maybe one unit that I have an issue with. But if I, if I use a fintech company that, that messes with my money, then I will be less forgiving, right? That's why people call out banks on, on social media and say, return my money now, I'll come and display for you guys tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> So what I find exciting also about marketing in fintech is because at the stage that we're currently in right now, there's still a lot of growth to happen. Of course, uh, there will still be a lot more policy changes, you know, but it's still I, I still feel it's day zero because even the biggest fintechs, you know, in Nigeria at the moment, so if you look at the payments company, like maybe Paystack, maybe started around 2015, 2014, 16, they're about PDVS around 2016. 2015, right? So all of them are even less than 10 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what a lot of those lead, uh, leading players did was to educate the market and get them interested in fintech. Seven years ago or eight years ago, you want to make payments online, you would probably not be comfortable with putting your ATM card details online, mm-hmm. right? Or buying something online or using a link to make payment. But now the, the customers are more sophisticated right so it's easier for you to penetrate and like introduce your product now one of the things i noticed is that when the first set of fintech started in the country you know there was a there was a focus on decentralization of financial services so Mm -hmm. some would focus on payments some would focus on credit some would focus on agency banking some focused on um on credit right some focus on buy now pay later because at that point in time, you needed to basically focus on the niche and get by one place, right? Uh, but now, when the market is more sophisticated, you're now having a lot more people now bundling those products together because people are looking for places where they can manage all their transactions in one place. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm at from, I don't want to like, when I want to transfer money, I have to go to another app. Or when I want to take a loan, I have to go to another app, right? Or when I want to like do buy now, pay later, I want to go. So you're seeing different companies now bonding products. So some will do savings and then are doing credit. Some are doing credits and then they're adding payments to it. You know, some are doing credit and they're adding buy now, pay later. So you see that trend happening in the fintech ecosystem at the moment. And ultimately, the people that win with for this would be, you know, the consumers. So for example, when it comes to credit, a couple of years ago, the credit bureau did not exist. So it was other for you to be able to make informed decisions about the kind of people you want to give credit to. You mm-hmm. know, you don't know bad credit history or the or the likes of that. But now there's more data for you to see, oh, has this person taken a loan from anywhere else? You know, um have you uh what's the word now? As uh, is the person a, a bad debtor, you know, as a defaulted on a couple of loan, you know, uh you know, basically it's more it's becoming more mature mm-hmm. uh, over yeah. the last yeah over the over last, the last ten years yeah and, I mean, and, and it's going to also continue to be that way right because there's still a lot for us to do you know uh, as more of those uh, those policies improve as more 
as more people come into the industry, as more funds come into the industry, and the consumer becomes more educated, we're able to now launch more sophisticated financial products to meet the needs of people. So, for example, now, if you look at other climbs, probably when you have, you have like three, four, five years experience, you're able to like um, get credit facility that it's maybe like times 10 of your income towards buying a house, a mortgage, or the likes of that. But it's harder to do that in Nigeria. Maybe what you can get max is like times two or times three, right? And even at that, you've been banking with you've been you've been banking with some of these traditional institutions for years, right? So, but as the industry evolves, then we'd get more sophisticated financial products that will be people at the point of their needs, you know. Yeah. And that's is more exciting about fintech because I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, good that can still be done by fintech companies, you know. And basically, we're going to lead that in the, for the next uh, for the next market. Yeah, I mean, when you, are, you know, one thing I, I think I read somewhere that the the would I call it the first layer for you know innovation technology innovation is is the fintech companies right or and in the fin in the fintech in the fintech space is um, the payment companies because yeah. they are the ones that pretty much ensure that um, people can make payments online. And so yeah. for that, other other services will now be built, and will you know will um, would I say will will function on that foundation and layer. So now yep. people can now then e-commerce companies can come in. Then whatsoever anybody thinks about around around um, the technology yeah. um, ecosystem. Yeah. So because yeah. we're right, we're running out of time, right? I might not be able to touch on all questions, right? So maybe. The more general question that I think that maybe my answer or my my touch on two of the questions that I had here um, is, um, can you walk us through what you think are effective marketing and communication strategies for for fintech companies? Right. So uh, I think it depends on the the level of product maturity that the fintech is and. But it's important for you when you're creating your strategy to, like I mentioned earlier, understand the insights. So what are the insights that drives this particular segment, you know, of of the market, if it's credit, you know, um, what are the pain points that people currently have? And then I want to now use that insight to create a big idea for my campaign, right? So that means that whenever I'm deploying content via digital marketing, you know, via any of those platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the likes of that, I want that big idea to be represented in, in my communication, right? Whether mm -hmm. I'm probably uh, doing a billboard ad or I'm speaking at an event, maybe I organize a, a couple of um, of media engagements, maybe on a Rise TV or an industry conference or the like, or what, what have you, right? For the management team, the big idea is what we're also talking about. And that big idea basically talks about the gaps that we have in that market. You know, if we're doing email marketing to talk about our product, it basically speaks to that big idea as well. You understand, right? So if the, pro the, the, the product is still, like I mentioned, different maturity levels for different fintechs. Now, if you're just about to launch or before you launch, you want to do maybe do a teaser campaign. You want to maybe have a wait list to gather interest of people who are interested in your product so that when you eventually launch your go-to-market strategy, and not starting from zero, mm -hmm. right? 
also you probably want to ensure that you're doing a lot of content marketing to whet the appetite of people and basically talk about you know the future of of your brand or the future of the industry right uh you're doing a lot of content marketing to educate consumers as well different aspects of fintech maybe you want to tell them how to get a loan you want to tell them how to use loans productively you want to tell them how to use how to budget right if it's a fintech you want to tell them how to do xyz whatever information it is you feel will be important to help them you are constantly creating that and using that to inform and educate them right uh mm-hmm. in addition if you're not doing the teaser campaign after the teaser campaign you want to launch you want to so what's the best way for me to basically get the message out there you create you of course before you even do the go to market you have to have a document that states all the channels the tactics you want to use to communicate this big idea to the audience and it's important for you to constantly monitor your campaigns as you as as you're executing them so that you know which one is delivering the most results for yourself mm-hmm. so body and be testing right if maybe you create two, two, two lines of copy to use for your for your digital marketing ads on Instagram or, or Facebook or wherever it is you're trying to get leads for your product or Telegram, you know, you want to see which one gets the most, uh, you know, click through, which one has the, which one generates the most leads for you. You know, for example, you're, you're pushing a loan product and you have copies like, you know, get the loan within 24 hours, you know, up to 5 million. Or you create another one to say, you know, trying to go for it, trying to do a master's program in 2023 get the loan to process that this year, right? Mm-hmm. If you realize that the one that speaks about you know, the master's program, you know, is getting more traction, then you want to double down on that and just, you know, put more more ad, ad, ad budget behind that because mm-hmm. the market is reacting positively to this particular that post. I mentioned earlier about market listing, share listing and understanding, you know, what makes your people drive in your market. You know, when you, when, for example, now Jack Masters, a lot of people are migrating for MBA, you know, for masters and the likes of that. You want to incorporate that in your marketing. You know, uh, you want to see what people are talking about, basically, you know, and try and ensure that your brand incorporate that in your marketing. Now, sometimes when you're trying to, when you're listening to, when you're leveraging on pop culture to market your product, some brands sometimes do it in such a way that it is cheesy. We're not saying jump on every trend. It's not every conversation that they're having online that you should jump on, mm-hmm. but you are one way by which it connects to the core of your product, right? I'm just trying to remember whatever conversation. I, yeah, let me. Like, I think about like four days ago, there was a com- conversation on Twitter where somebody said, "Oh, if you ten thousand is not is not enough to spoil anybody." Yeah, You know, now that that conversation had a lot of organic. You know conversations last yeah. uh, last week. Last I'm week. sure there was not not less than three million or two million impressions on that conversation. So that means that as a brand, if you talked about ten thousand naira, right, you would be getting a lot of eyeballs. But you shouldn't just go and you know just uh, ball it into your content strategy because people are talking about it. If it doesn't, if you are not skilled enough to know how to do that. So let's say for example, let's say I'm the marketing manager for uh, Chicken Republic franchise night or Domino's or you know one of these restaurants, mm-hmm. right? What I would do is to say, oh, 
what you can get for 10,000 Naira, five things you can get for 10,000 Naira in our restaurant. No matter how expensive the restaurant is in Lagos, there's still stuff you can get for 10,000 Naira and enjoy yourself, right? And I'm going to like promote that because people are going to definitely be interested in seeing that. So that, that becomes like a lead magnet for my own brand. If I was yeah. a payments I, I could I could talk about, you know, you know, uh, it's a weekend, it's a public holiday tomorrow. You know, these are the things you can pay with 10,000 Naira tomorrow. I'm just mm-hmm. talking about, oh, you can pay for Uber, Uber fare to go to eat and drink festival, like I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. you could, you know, you could pay for, for a box of pizza to, to Netflix and chill. Basically, tomorrow, you know, you can pay for your Netflix subscription and what catch up on the, you know, I can basically do it 10 things to do this weekend with 10,000 Naira. Yeah. So I'm still talking about the conversation. But in a way that makes sense to my own brand, you know, mm-hmm. and when they see that co- content, they will just feel a bit more connected to the brand because they feel like you understand what is being discussed in their own life. Do you understand? Yeah. So for technology companies as well, those are some of the insights you need to look at from time to time to, to basically uh, connect to consumers on, yeah. the, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so thanks thanks a lot where you are. So we want to go to quick hitters, right? And I think I'm I'm, I'm about to set you up here a little bit. So yeah, right. <laughs> so I know I know how much you like billboards. Sometimes if you follow <laughs> me well on Instagram, you'll see sometimes or Twitter you take a picture yeah. of a brilliant billboard and a copy that you saw and you know. So yeah. and and it, not just billboards, right? But the question yeah. is outdoor marketing campaign is or are uh, uh, outdoor marketing campaigns better than online marketing campaign? So there is a trick here though. So, yeah. that, so this is to effectively put you in the box, right? So there's something called buy, sell, and hold. So buy, sell, and hold means buy, you agree, sell, you disagree, hold, you are neutral. Buy, you agree, sell, you, disag- you disagree, right? Hold, you are neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so... so- the question is, outdoor, outdoor marketing campaign is better than right. an online marketing campaign. So what I always like to say is that is a, is a, there's no one-size-fits-all campaign mm-hmm. for everyone. Buy, sell, and hold. <laughs> but, yeah. Right. If, no, I, uh, I'm going to context tweet and I'm going to give you my, okay. my what's it called? Your verdict. Right. Yeah. So it will be, it will be, so buy is agree, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sell, it will be disagree. Yeah. Why myself? The context, but you know, the context for me is because I'm in fintech. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So for the consumers I'm maybe trying to reach, online still remains maybe one of the ways for me to reach them. Mm-hmm. Right? For the product that I have yeah. now, when I'm launching a product to bank the unbanked, I maybe have other marketing tactics to reach them. I have maybe sales agents that are going to the market and interacting with them. You know, face to face, talking about, you know, how they can leverage on, on the product because I'm not able to convey my communication to them, you know, via online. Somebody has to explain to them, you know, talk to them about the, the product suit that we have. So you have right? to go with outdoor marketing tactics for that one. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah we outdoor marketing tactics, not necessarily OOH, not necessarily uh, billboards and the like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, if, for example, I'm launching a product in Isaleko to help people save money, you know, 
by creating a virtual account. If I do online, maybe on Facebook, and the average age of that customer segment is 40 to 55, they are mm -hmm. not digital like people from 18 to 35. It makes sense for me to meet them in via digital channel, uh, via non-digital channels, you understand, right? But if I'm trying to like maybe get people to take loans or save or invest and they're already digital native, you know, I have to definitely reach them via online. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like digital marketing is a bit more, what's the word, you get more ROI, more value for money for your product, you know, but if you had given me a specific brand, it depends on the level, I've been mentioning product maturity a lot to start this conversation, the level your product is at, at that particular point in time. When Paystack started, I'm sure they didn't do billboards, but like about about two, what's the word now, about three years ago, before mm -hmm. the pandemic, one billboard to talk about their product just beside Computer Village, right? I'm sure they've been doing traditional means of reaching merchants and, you know, onboarding them for years. So by the time when they were launching the billboard, it was basically complementing what they have already invested in that particular market, right? At that particular point in time. And it was at the strategic point of view. But what you have to understand is, you know, for example, billboards cost a lot more. So maybe one billboard could be like 5 million, you know, and it's in one area, maybe like uh, Todd Mellon Bridge. So that means only people that, you know, go to the island and come back every day will be able to view it. But online, I could reach maybe more people, you know, with mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. but online I probably reach more people with it right um i can reach maybe like a million people over a period of two weeks by investing that same five million and i yeah. can also touch i want people in abu Yegba, i want people in uh people in victoria island people in aja to see this ad so anybody that's staying in aja and working in vi would not see the ad i put on Todd Milan bridge if they don't have any need to go to the island that mm -hmm. particular Online marketing gives me that flexibility to be able to like apportion my budget according to the various areas where I want my brand to be seen at that particular point in time. So th yeah. those are some of the fictions that you have with outdoor marketing campaign. But you know, any good campaign, sometimes 360 marketing is really good because you're able to like, you know, articulate your big idea that I explained earlier across various areas. Yeah. So yeah. you're able to like, the digital marketing right you're able to do that you are able to like take that same message and put it on billboards you're able to put it in magazines that maybe people in your target audience read from time to time you're able to take it to podcasts like i said what i said or <laughs> podcasts that basically speaks to your target audience you're also able to take it to communities on telegram on whatsapp right you're able to take your marketing and your communication there you're also able to target them online as well. You know, so if you do like, if you do like a, a television commercial or you shoot a commercial, basically, you can now disseminate it across these various areas. But like I said, before you launch any campaign or before you start doing any marketing, you should understand what's the go-to-market strategy I want to use, depending on the level of maturity for your product in that market. Oh, I want to do a TV campaign. And afterwards, I want to launch at this particular area. So let's say, for example, I'm launching a fintech company. And it is October. October, I think there's a World Savings Day in October. Mm -hmm. Then it makes sense tie your launch to World Savings Day and say, oh, we're launching this fintech to help people save more XYZ or access financial, you know, XYZ, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your key messages, the key messages that you create are tied to that product. 
at that particular point in time, you understand, because of what savings did, then you can use yeah. it to like do teasers on, on your social media page, talking about savings, talking about the average amount of money Nigerians save, where do we save, you know, evolution of savings over the years. You create blog posts to talk about that exact same thing. You're disseminating that same message via email marketing and you're testing. You're testing the hell out of all these activations you're doing to see what is having the best impact mm-hmm. across the yeah. So yeah. my my second question on the quick hit is uh, if you could have a dinner, and this is a question that I like to ask to to sort okay. of like get your get get the um, get your mindset on certain things. So if you could um, have a dinner for five, right, plus yourself, so that's six. Right. So so five people, dead or alive, who would you pick? Uh, dead or alive? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, dead or alive? Now I'm trying to remember now. Okay, I think it would be. Uh, so one of them would be Seth Godin. Seth Godin is one of the leading marketers in the, in, the, in the world. You know, so when I started my career, he basically, you know, he was one of the people I really consumed his content to understand fundamentals and you know how to improve myself as a marketer. Another yeah. one would be Peter and Elon Musk, right? So Peter Terrell is someone that I really, really, you know, admire him and Elon Musk. Elon Musk, I think before he acquired Twitter, you know, I, I really look up to him for mm-hmm. the one companies is built and the transformation effect that they have on society. So from Tesla to Solar City to SpaceX, you know, it's basically transforming industries, entire industries that have been that have been in a particular way for years. Mm-hmm. Right? With Barack Obama, you know, you you know his story, so I don't have to go into that. Uh, so that's how many now. That's that four. four. Yeah, that's four. So one four. more. Now, I think the last person would be, what's his name now? Um, so the author of Blue Ocean Strategy, right? Uh, Rene, Rene Moorborg and W. Chan Chim, I think there are two of them. I would also mm-hmm. probably so want that, to have Because that, that, that's one book that has really influenced the way I see innovation in the marketplace, mm-hmm. you know, and individuals or as market leaders, marketing leaders, you have to constantly try to like improve your product to play in the blue ocean, not the red ocean. Mm, very brilliant. Launching the same product, then you're in a you're in a red ocean. It's it's already it's a blood infested water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to like create new verticals, or you want to look for the areas that have not been explored to ensure that you have, you know, uh, fresh water to grow, basically. Yeah, that's I feel brilliant. Like, yeah, you feel like there are some people there. You're 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 not mentioning right. There are a lot of them, but no problem. I've forgotten them right now. I will text you about them later. You know? Yeah, so but so your 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 dinner for five is Barack Obama, Peter Tell, uh, yeah, you know, Musk. Right. You know, and the reason for, for the Peter Tell and Elon Musk would be because, you know, uh there's something called the PayPal Mafia, right? Mm-hmm. So the number of people that that founded PayPal who have gone to found a lot of companies since then. Right, so oh. and Peter, and Peter Thiel and uh, and uh, Elon Musk are just a number of them. So there yeah. were some of them of PayPal. Now, after that, companies like Tesla, LinkedIn was also founded by one of the PayPal mafia guys. So mm. read off for companies like SpaceX, um, YouTube was also founded by one of the PayPal guys. You mm. know, wow. yeah, 
Yelp was also founded by them. Palantir, which also provides certain technology for, for, for a lot of security apparatus in North America, was also founded by one of the PayPal Mafia guys. So a lot of those companies came from individuals that were present mm-hmm. in the early in, in, in United States uh, industry, right? So that, I really respect what they've done for that, for their own community, uh, basically. That's why I want to have dinner with them. Yeah, yeah, so, that's, that's I mean that's a very that that's a fun table. I'll be expecting the, the, the details of the dinner so I can prepare for it. Thank you for <laughs> question. Thank God a lot of them are alive. <laughs> yes, I'll be none of them are even dead anyway. So yeah. Well anyway, um, when I them in, in the future, I'm gonna come back to, to this tweet and tag them and say, you know, I remember when I was gonna talk about having dinner with these guys. So yeah. at least one I'll be yeah, so um, the final question will be your best Nigerian TV ad, maybe in, a, in the past twenty years. Wow, now nah, this is this is tough. This is really tough. <laughs> this is really tough. But I think I'm going to. There's one that I'm going to use for this, and it also buttresses my point about the need for marketers to be involved, not just in implementation process of product when the conceptualization product uh, part as well mm-hmm. and why for your for there not to be a disconnect between your brand promise and what people what the experience people have with your brand yeah. when they when they eventually you know uh, buy your product so before according to marketing statistics it takes average of like seven seven exposure to your product before uh, people buy right so before yeah. you buy food from that restaurant, you probably have a, you have had seven, what's the word now, seven interactions with it, consciously mm-hmm. or unconsciously. It on mm-hmm. a billboard, a friend has talked about it. You saw it on a friend's story on WhatsApp, or you saw your friend, you know, taking a picture in in the environment, or you you hear somebody talking about it on the radio. An average of ten times. It's not immediately you see a product that you buy, right? Yeah. Now. Product there was a there was this leading ad by Bank PHB, and I wrote an article about it during Valentine because I titled it "Love Letters: Brand Marketing, Broken Broken Promises and Business Failures, and What We Can Learn from from It as 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 business people basically," mm-hmm. and and it spoke about Bank PHB, right? Bank PHB was one of the leading. Um, Living, we live in banks in Nigeria, basically, about 15 years ago. Yeah, I think they had, yeah. they had the market capitalization of about, uh, no, I can't remember. Anyway, but it was one of the leading banks in Nigeria at that particular point in time. And they had a lot of customers. And they came up with this really brilliant set of ads that basically spoke to their brand, the brand promise they have for the future, and the vision they have for the financial services ma- market. Right, they had about six billion dollars in assets, so they were doing well. They were the fifth biggest financial services provider in Nigeria. Now, the first ad spoke about, you know, a guy who was driving a Porsche Cayenne car one day, and then it was basically, you know, he saw like a signboard that said, "Oh, there's no filling station for the next 356 kilometer," and then he saw that he was low on fuel, so he entered the filling station and then he filled up his car. And when he was done, he proceeded to take the nozzle. And he put it in his mouth and he was drinking the water. And then he ended up saying, Oh, one day cars will run on water. Right? And they mm. say, 
at bank PHB. We had already taken like that. Good, better bank PHB. That ad was mad. Mm. Right? I can't remember this ad. Though. Oh, I'm going yeah. to send you the link. Yeah, send another, me the link. Another one ad, an executive come down from a skyscraper, right? And then he entered his car and his driver was asking him, oh, how are you doing Saturday? The stock markets are down. Like, uh, are you selling or you're you're exiting the market or are you buying more he said oh no 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 the guy responded and said oh i'm actually very bullish about the market right now you know when people are selling is the time i buy more then the mm -hmm. camera and, and he showed that there was nobody in driving seats it was a self-driving car and that's 2008 right as bank phb we're already thinking like that right Good, better, bank pay. That was the second ad. The third one as well. You know, so basically, those ads were brilliant because we were talking about the future of futuristic thinking and how they were going to be at the forefront of creating financial products that would improve, you know, the market. But a few years down the line, the brand, the brand basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of, it went, went bust. Yeah, I think bank VHP is either some version of. Polaris, or I think maybe Sky. Yeah, they were by Amcom, I think, at a point. Uh, yeah, but yeah. The, uh, governance issues. Now, I was in management meeting some years back, and, and I think somebody was telling the story of the bank. And so, somebody said, oh, you know, I think the security guy was not behaving properly. And he said, ah, well, you guys have really wonderful ads and all that. Why are you not, you know, why are you not doing X, Y, Z? And he said, ah, oh, God, I want to for TV, you know, saying mm -hmm. that. That what I are seeing is that promise is just for TV or it's not the reality of what you have on ground. You know, so it, so so that really speaks to the, to the need for no matter how brilliant your marketing campaign is, if your product doesn't do what it says it would do, people there will not be repeat purchases and the long term long term uh, sustainability of your business will be called into doubt. In fact, I think that it's even better for you not to be exposed to too many people when your product is shitty, mm -hmm. right? than for you to go and invest tens of millions or hundreds of millions of, of, of promoting a bad product because it will be hard for you to get a second. Was get, the word. Get, get them to have a second second yeah. stab at the product. Really, to get get a second yeah. chance for them. And so, uh, as as marketing leaders, it's important that you you are involved in the seven P's of marketing. Yeah. Marketing in the promotion part as well. It also involved you working closely with your HR, you know, leaders to to shape the culture because. These individuals are at the back end of technology products, of fintech products, you know, from customer service. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, or if their processes are not optimized, you'll go out there and go make all this noise about how your product can do X, Y, Z. And the people in the back office would not be able to deliver on that promise, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because there, there are gaps in, in your product. So it is what it is. Marketing yeah. leaders need to be involved. You know, you have to be like the the, 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 the company whisperer like that, that tries to also improve the culture. So internal communication is extremely important. And so how do you get people to see themselves as stakeholders in the business? How do you communicate what is happening in the, in the business to them? How do you launch campaigns to make people feel, you know, uh, what's the word now? To feel happy about their work. How do you basically get the brand essence? There's a brand essence matrix that we use basically, you know, uh, which is basically how does the product make me feel, how it makes me look, how it makes, you know, how do people see me when I use this product? Yeah. You know, at, 
the the things you want people to associate with your brand and what they associate with it after they have experienced your brand, you know. So it is what it is basically. Yeah. That thanks. last fifteen years, a lot of them, a lot of them to be honest. There is Udeme, the Guinness one. Udeme is my friend. Yeah. There is Indomie Nodus. There is Gouda, the chip tester ad, which I really love. Yeah, I like that one as well. That dun 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 dun. Is it that yeah. one? It was It was told to come and taste the king's beer because you know, the, in case it was poisoned. Yeah, and yeah. Up, the guy ended up taking half of the half of the cup, you know, and the risk of being executed. But the the product was just too sweet or was was just too good. So yeah. a lot of. But funny enough, my favorite ones are the ones that ha- actually had very good music. And um, but I see I see a conversation on Twitter where people are talking about uh, Nigerians. They're more or less just trying to say that people cannot right. do adverts in Nigeria without putting one juicy one kind of music and telling everybody to dance. But, right. Uh, <laughs> but me, I don't mind it. <laughs> yes, you know, Bam uh, Indomie, uh, only well knows. Hmm. I'm not sure I know that song. And there's Bamba Lala. Come on, enjoy it. Everybody do it in Bamba Lala. Uh, I think I probably do it. Uh, no, dude. <laughs> Bamba Lala. Bamba Lala. Come on, enjoy it. Everybody. No, my 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 singing voice is really good. Yeah, maybe that's, why, maybe that's why I'm not getting it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> if I was the one that sang the, the jingle for them, I'm sure nobody will remember it. But yeah. If you look at it like if you look at multiple things change, but things remain the same. Some of the best ads of the last 15 years or 20 years is have been ads that also um that are memorable that mm-hmm. infuses that's also why maybe if you look at it, TikTok has played an important role in blowing up a lot of music in the past yeah, two days. Exactly. The 15 seconds, the most memorable moment in that entire track, and publicizes it. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Right? And basically, if you look at the ads that you remember over the past few years, there's like 10 seconds that's really memorable that you remember. Maybe it is from the, is it not Pro Code or Baba Blue? I remember one Baba Blue ad, and the guy. You know, was basically charged to court for something, right? I think it was yeah, Bababu, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was Baba Blue, and the, the lawyer was trying and to defend him, so they Baya had to was... give him Baba Blue, and that's when he now won the case. Exactly, his lawyer had cough, and then the guy gave him Baba Blue to clear his throat. And when they were done, and outside, you know, it was it was the church and acquitted. When they were done, outside the when they were outside the, the court. The court. Oh God, lawyer, I swear I don't go do up again. Oh. Yeah, no. <laughs> Everyone has it. Ah. I will not forget that because of that 10 seconds, right? That 10 seconds in that in that particular ad, which makes it memorable from, from generation to generation. I will still always remember it, you know. So it's interesting. It's interesting, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so quick one, right? Um, so I mean, we have come to the end of the podcast, right? So, um, yep. what will be your final words, and how can um, our listeners reach you? All right. So, I, I think my final words would be so for anybody that is in the in tech marketing or product marketing, 
and who wants to get to the top of his or career, it's important for you to constantly, you know, learn. One of my own personal is in, which is continuous development. You want to learn about new platforms, about, you know, changes that are happening in your industry. You want to learn about new ways of doing things. You want to constantly immerse yourself in various experiences and uh, various, you want to expose yourself frequently to various, you know, experiences so that you can, you can get things from that that you can use to improve your own business, right? Or your own marketing uh, activities, basically, you know. Um, yeah, so Kazin, it's, it's important for you to continuously learn, you know, never stop learning. I learn every day from my, my junior ones, from my peers, from my mentors. I learn from an industry journal. I learned from, it was an annual general meeting for a couple of brands financial brands recently like last week and all that i learned by looking at looking at that you know yeah over the past. looking at the growth drivers you know i'm looking at their cash cow what are the what are the cash cows that they currently are what are the dog companies what the companies are the question mark you know what are the companies that are that they are star in their portfolio you know so you see companies that maybe are making billions from a particular product and they are using it to bet on another let me give an example of like companies like mtn like two, three years ago, MTN started pushing for data actively. If you look at it right now, if you look at your the money you spend for telecommunications, you spend more money on, on data than any mm-hmm. other thing. Mm-hmm. You, I don't, you don't even spend, you don't spend as much money on calls that you spend on data. Yeah, yeah, right? data, is, data is way more. You spend, data is the cash cow. Exactly. So, that insight, because of that insight, the marketers at the marketing team and strategy team at Airtel already saw that three, four years ago that they launched a campaign called Data is Life. Mm-hmm. Right? Series of, of stuff that talks about how data is important to your everyday activities. Then, you know, MTN also did something similar, right? Just to position a data service at the best in the market. And if you look at it, when you don't have internet, you feel like you're cut off from the world, like you don't know what is going on and all that. You don't feel that way if you don't have you know, so that's how to get inside. So I think my final word is basically to keep improving yourself and immerse yourself to various experiences and exposures. You know, travel, talk to friends, take people to lunch, you know, listen to people. Don't just be boxed into your industry alone. I've mm-hmm. uh, experienced multiple things that, that could be your, that could basically help you get better. You know, uh, try out new platforms. One of the things I want to do over the next few months, it's like basically, you know, understand TikTok a bit more. Of course, I know TikTok, I know how it works, but compared to other pro, uh, to platforms like Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and all that, I'm not, I'm not so, what's the word now? I'm not an expert in TikTok. I want to understand how best to like deploy campaigns on TikTok. That's one thing I want to do over the next year because I know it's here to stay and to be one of the most important ways to drive marketing in the future, in the present and in the future as well. You know, so that's it basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for for coming to speak on the program. And yeah. as uh, just to end, as a fellow Liverpool fan, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but <laughs> Liverpool is leading three <laughs> zero. And uh, yeah. So um, and this is this is the end of our of our podcast. Um, so we see see you again. Thank you so much. For time. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.